is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Friday, July 16th, and we continue on with the preview series today. On the podcast, we have Seattle coming up on the show today. We will talk about the Seahawks in this new era. Generally the same team on offense, but different offensive coordinator. Will anything change for this squad, or will they remain run heavy. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes here, but let me remind you, we do have this contest wrapping up. Today is the final day, so that means, yes, I will announce a winner. I did want to extend it through Friday because it made sense. Anyway, here's how you get in. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. Very simple. Rate, review, and in your review, leave your Twitter handle. A whole bunch of people have already done it, so you can check out how they did it. It's really easy. It'll take you 15 seconds. And you're entered in to win a Rant t-shirt. I will announce the winner on Monday. So technically speaking, I guess you you, you have it over the weekend too. I will be doing pods over the weekend, but uh, anyway. Also, over at FTNFantasy.com, make sure you go check out our draft kit. Right now, all my tiers articles are free over there, but we do have a draft kit that is available to you. It's 25 bucks. It's everything you need to dominate your drafts here in 2021. And if you want a little discount, I got you covered. Promo code RATPACK over at FTNFantasy.com. So let's dive into this Seattle Seahawks team that is a very interesting team. It's a team that annually seems to really be productive for us for fantasy football purposes, which I don't mind that at all. And it all, of course, starts with Russell Wilson, right? Wilson has been an annual QB1, it feels like. Every season, this guy is is up there. Now, granted, some years may not be as good as others, and last year was really interesting because the start that he had was absolutely phenomenal. Wilson was shot out of a cannon. Here's his start to the season over his first eight games. Second place, weekly finish. Third place, second place, 12th place. All right, seventh by week, fifth, second, seventh. That's pretty freaking good. Here's his finish to the season, though. 17th, 13th, 19th, 20th, 8th, 28th, 16th, 18th. Yikes. That's not good. He ended up being the number five fantasy quarterback on the season, but when the Seahawks shifted gears in week 10 and went back to their extraordinarily run-heavy ways and no longer let Russ cook... He was really a fantasy liability. And of course, that couldn't have come at a worse time because it's down the stretch for us, which means fantasy championships, eh, probably not one with Russell Wilson. So what do we do this year? Because when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, the overall body of work was great. 40 touchdown passes. That is freaking hard to do in the NFL. Over 4,000 passing yards. That was a weaker area of his game early on in his career, but now he seems to be a guy who can annually get well up over 4,000 yards. He rushed for 512 yards, which gives him a very nice floor. Two rushing scores on the ground. Not great, but I'll take it, right? So that's the challenge that we have with Russ. If they are extremely run heavy, he will likely be a bit of a fantasy liability just simply because there's not enough meat on the bone in the pass game. Now, I will say this, and I've continually said this, and I will continually be a huge fan of Russell Wilson for this reason. In terms of throwing the ball to the end zone, which is a very important stat. It may seem like a simple stat, 
But I don't I don't give a crap about traditional red zone stats when it comes to the passing game. They they are meaningless to me. What matters to me is where is the quarterback throwing the football on the field? Especially when we get into that area. And honestly, I don't care if he's throwing to the end zone from five yards away, from ten yards, from thirty yards away. He's targeting receivers in the end zone. Obviously the thirty yard uh, 30 air yard throw is a lot less likely to be completed than the five air yard throw. But regardless, he's throwing two receivers in the end zone. You have your highest chance of converting for a touchdown when you're targeted in the end zone. It's as simple as that. Of course, if there isn't a ton of meat on the bone in the passing game, then you know we still have our work cut out for us. So he's not an elite option. There's no doubt about that. But he is a quarterback one option. I have him in that range in my quarterback tiers, actually currently ranking him at six. So I do have him ahead of Justin Herbert. I do have him ahead of Aaron Rodgers with the question marks. And then anybody else there like Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, not putting those guys ahead of Wilson. So the only quarterbacks ahead of Wilson, Mahomes, Allen, and Kyler, obviously. Then Lamar and Dak. That's it. Now, I will say, though, that I am not overly bullish on Wilson. I have a sixth-round grade on him on my board, but that is not where I'm looking to take him. If he falls to the eighth round, I would take him. I'm just simply not going to invest a sixth-round pick in a quarterback unless it's somebody who I have ranked higher than that. Like, if Kyler somehow fell to the sixth, it's not going to happen, then I'd be looking at him there. So, with Wilson, you kind of take that on, the little bit of the risk that if they don't entirely let him cook, then he's not going to be the best fantasy option as the second half of the season showed us. Now, granted, as I mentioned, you do have a new offensive coordinator in here. Shane Waldron comes in and, and uh, you know, Russ, uh, the wideouts, they've been raving over the offense. It's a complex offense, but I think it's going to allow them to do some unique things. I just keep going back to Pete Carroll, though. Pete Carroll wants to run the freaking football. That's what he wants to do, and he's going to get his offensive coordinator to do so. So we take that risk on, by the way, with Russ and all the trade stuff, in water under the bridge, it seems like at this point. So at least we got that uh, going for us there, which is nice. Uh, maybe in the offseason is a different story, but as of now, everything seems to be uh, very, uh, you know, very happy uh, for Russ and company, Russ and, and Pete Carroll. They actually just talked about it. So obviously there's some exciting potential here in this offense, even if they are run heavy with the wide receivers. We do have a borderline elite option in DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett there. You also have an interesting situation at tight end with the addition of Gerald Everett. So let's take a quick break and then let's hit up the passing game, starting with the Seahawks wide receivers. So last season, DK Metcalf showed that he is capable of doing special things on the football field. He took a step forward from an already impressive rookie year where he he went for 900 yards, seven touchdowns on 58 catches. Last year, up over 1,310 scores, 83 catches. But like Russell Wilson, when you actually look at the weekly performances, there weren't a lot of good ones down the stretch. After the team shifted gears there in week 10, he only had one top 10 weekly finish that was in week 12, only one other top 20 that was in week 14. He was fourth in week 12, 18th in week 14. So while he was amazing early, he came back to the pack. But the thing about DK Metcalf and why I'm not going to shy away from him, 
is we don't know what he's capable of yet. Like, we, this dude is 23 years old. We have not even seen what he is fully capable of doing on a football field. So I'm not hesitating with him as my number six fantasy receiver, currently projecting him out. 82 catches, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, so very similar to what we saw last year. Now, Lockett is is a really interesting receiver because last heading into last year, we had these two very close, almost neck and neck, right? But the thing about Lockett is he showed he can be wildly inconsistent from week to week. He is the ultimate boomer bust. Last year, you know, he had uh, two first place finishes in week three and week seven. Week seven, of course, he went 15 catches, 200 yards and three scores. He had a, a top 10 in week 11. He had a top 10 in week 17. But from week 7 to week 17, he had those three top 10s. He was also outside of the top 38 times. So almost unusable in some of those weeks, by the way. Somehow he managed to top 100 catches, which is remarkable given the overall state of the season. But regardless, here's the thing with Lockett. I'm not going to talk you out of Lockett. I'm not going to talk you into Lockett. What I'm going to say is know who Lockett is. He is boom or bust. There are weeks where he can be absolutely phenomenal. There are weeks where he'll have one catch for 12 yards. If you just know who the player is, you're going to avoid yourself a whole heck of a lot of frustration. Starting Lockett, you are taking on that risk that you could have one of those bad weeks. Just simply know the freaking player. That's it. You know the player, then you avoid all that, you know, the headaches during the season. It's like, well, Lockett's just going to do that from time to time. This is the risk that I'm taking by picking him. They do have Dwayne Eskridge in the mix now, who they drafted this year. He's got some speed. A little bit older for dynasty purposes, by the way, coming in the league a little bit older. But regardless, he should mix in as the third receiver. But I do expect a lot of 12 personnel out of this team. They brought in Gerald Everett. They also still have Will Disley in the mix. And unfortunately for Everett, Disley does take some of the wind out of his sails. Everett is the more dynamic, more... um, talented, you know, upside uh, type tight end in this group. And for fantasy purposes, I love the skill set if he was able to be in a situation where he, you know, commanded all the targets. But I don't think we can say that. So right now I have, it's about, it's like a 60-40 split close to maybe, a, well, 65-35 uh, type split between the two. Uh, 68 targets for Everett, uh, 44 catches, 436 and three scores. That puts him right at the back end of tight end two territory, which means I don't think he's draftable, but I do think it's a guy that we're going to monitor and potentially could be stream worthy. Certainly, you know, if you're still drafting in best balls, then absolutely he's he's a target there. I just don't think he's a draftable target quite yet. However, it wouldn't surprise me if he mer- emerged as a you know, pretty solid tight end two type option. Remember, with tight end twos, though, hey, I just said 44 catches. You know, we're talking below three for 32 territory right there with Gerald Everett. All right, so let's move over to the run game. A little bit of a surprise. We had thought for a moment in time there that Chris Carson was going to was going to walk. I mean, he basically well, he did hit the open market, but he ends up re-signing with the team. You have Rashad Penny, who's still struggling to get fully recovered from that ACL. You have DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, Travis Homer at the bottom of this depth chart. But it really comes down to Carson and can Carson stay healthy? And if he can't stay healthy, is Rashad Penny finally back? He had 
a cleanup on the on the knee injury this offseason. But he should be good to go finally by the time we get to camp. And Pete Carroll has already pointed out this is a pivotal year for the former first rounder. Now, that doesn't mean he is going to be the lead back. It's still going to be Chris Carson. Right now, projecting out 214 carries, 972 rushing yards, seven scores, 40 catches, 308 and two. Now, if he goes down, Penny immediately slides into that role. But here's the thing, like with Carson, is he going to be uber sexy? No, absolutely not. But he's an RB2 who has the potential, if the offense does in fact basically run through him like it has in the past, of being a borderline RB1. Not an, He's not going to be an elite guy unless he scores 15 freaking touchdowns, which I don't think will happen, but I can't really fully rule it out with the nature of touchdowns. But the volume is there. For him to be a mid-range RB2. It's exactly where I'm ranking him right now. You know, you could take him as the 16th, 17th running back off the board. He'll likely slip just a little bit as people start to pivot to wide receivers in that range of the draft. So you're talking like rounds three and four. If he slides to round four, not a bad value in that range at all for Chris Carson. So I wouldn't shy away from it, but I would acknowledge the fact that he has missed some time due to injury. You know, and and maybe I, I'm not a huge handcuff advocate in fantasy drafts. I love handcuffing later in the year, but maybe you do eye up uh, Rashad Penny if you do go after Chris Carson. Missed some time in each of the last three years. Last year he missed a good chunk in the middle of the season. So, you know, and at this point too, he's no spring chicken. No spring chicken. So something to monitor there with Chris Carson. Anyway, expect Probably run heavy yet again from the Seattle Seahawks. All right, up next, we will do the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk some Trey Lance. It's all Trey. Trey Lance, Trey Sermon. Of course, the receiving weapons there and Kyle Shanahan's offense. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And head on over to FTNFantasy.com and check out our draft kit. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. We'll be right back.